What's going on everybody? It's Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. It's time for another self-improvement sit down. I had such an unbelievable response to the first episode that I wanted to keep the momentum rolling. I think there's a really unique message being shared in this forum that I want to continue to tap into. Wait, what is a self-improvement sit down? I thought you'd never ask. Instead of sharing a quick two minute actionable personal development tip as usual, I'm slowing it down and featuring high performers and industry leaders trying to cut to the core of what makes them who they are. Seeing the way they reflect on their past, having them talk through their decision making, and learning about the foundation of their success is rich with value and perspective that we all get to enjoy. If it's not for you, then don't fret, the daily tips won't stop. But today, I am honored to provide that little extra through our next unbelievable guest, Kim Kalp. See you on the other side. And we are live. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have a very, very special guest, and you'll probably recognize her voice, but you might not recognize her name because I've butchered it a few times when I've introduced her on the podcast. But her name is Kim Kalp, and I believe I did it right that time. But Kim is <laughs> yeah. did I? Okay, good. Thanks, Kim. Um, it's a really hard name, so <laughs> it's totally understandable. Just need to sound it out phonetically. Um, anyway, so Kim, you are an absolute stud. But so Kim is the co-founder and CEO of the Superfan Company, which has found a really unique role in the service, experience, and merchandise side of entertainment. She's worked with people like Brad Paisley, Katy Perry, Justin Bieber. And she even got the attention of the TV show Shark Tank, where she landed a deal that may not have turned out, but that's a different story. Over the last many years, Kim has built a personal branding empire. And to top it off, she was invited to be a judge for Miss USA this past year. I'm sure we'll get into all of this and more. But first, I just wanted to thank you, Kim, for taking the time to be with us today and share your message with the audience. Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Cool. So kind of the nature of self-improvement daily is I'm, I'm interested to learn more about the person behind the brand. And, you know, all of that big stuff is great and imp- impressive and congratulations on all of that. That's an incredible achievement. But again, I'm, I'm more interested in the foundation behind who you are. So something that really stood out to me uh, when I was learning a little bit more about you is a internship that you bagged your freshman year of college, how you had to really kind of hustle your way out there to find an opportunity to gain some relevant experience in the industry that you were interested in. And I was just wondering if you could kind of reflect on that time in your life and, and what the hard work and that diligence, maybe even the grit that you, uh, that you used at that time to find that opportunity, what does that mean to you now and how has that contributed to the career that you've created? Yeah, I think the grit factor is really important and that little voice inside you that tells you to keep going even when it seems really silly or really impossible. So to kind of break down that thought process, I knew that when I was in high school that I really wanted to work at a magazine. That was sort of my dream goal that after college I would get to work at a magazine. I realized very quickly that all big magazines are in New York. All of the big publication companies, Condé Nast, Meredith, at the time, uh, Time Inc. was really popular. They were all in New York. And I knew that a lot of those big companies didn't take interns until they were in their junior or sophomore year. 
And so I knew I wanted to get experience before that. So I looked for a local internship in my hometown. Uh, There was a magazine that was local. And I basically went in and said, I don't care what you have me do. I just want to be here and sit in meetings and learn and absorb and happy to shadow anybody or just get involved in any way that I can. And Most people look at the big shiny object, which would have been the internship in New York and say, oh, well, I'll go for that whenever I can get it. And what I always tell people is continue to break it down. And there's always something that you can be doing today to get you to that big goal. It might not be as glamorous. Um, You know, working at a local magazine might not seem as cool, but it definitely helped get me to the point that when I was old enough and could apply for a larger internship, I had experience that maybe other people who were applying didn't have. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, to me, it comes down to kind of the, the gritty tactics of let me realize what's actually functional for my purposes. Let me think of that element that I can bring to the table that I might be able to see from a different vantage point. So I, I really like kind of the approach that you took. And then I guess kind of extrapolating that into your current business. Do you still seek opportunities that, other people might not think of and then find a way to tie in maybe certain integrations that don't seem apparent immediately, but just kind of this creative side of you of understanding that kind of non-scalable tactic might be able to contribute in your business as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even the fact that Every week on LinkedIn, I give away tons of advice and free content. People all the time say, oh, you know, you should be charging for that. You could be a coach. And, you know, people people have offered to, can I get you on the phone and I'll I'll pay you a retainer. And, And to me, it's more about the more you give, the more you get. And even though I'm giving away advice that people might gladly pay for the opportunities that that's been able to create and the people I've been able to meet and the people that have reached out because of that has really big implications. So that's always something that I'm thinking of as well is what are opportunities that you can put yourself out into that might not seem like a direct impact on your business. That could be something as easy as going to volunteer at, you know, a local shelter or volunteer, someone might say, well, what does volunteering have to do with my startup? Or And the point is that you might meet somebody at volunteering that has mm-hmm. to do with your startup. Or I do a lot of work with junior achievement here in the city. So there are always opportunities to meet people through actions that you could be taking. Yeah. And that's actually, I, I kind of want to pick into that a little bit more too, because kind of you have this responsibility with your platform to always be producing more and to be providing value. That's kind of the expectation at this point. But at at some point, you also need to realize that the work that you're doing is impactful in a way that might not necessarily contribute to your business. And that's something that I've been really interested in understanding for myself is the trade-off between giving your time in a way that you know is going to convert some way down the line. And then also, I mean, you're talking about volunteering. Sure, there's going to be an opportunity that comes from that Um, perhaps professionally, but also just intrinsically, like, you know, just as a person, you enjoy it. Um, So is there a certain kind of maybe ratio or how do you, how do you quantify that trade-off between being impactful as a person and your role in society versus being impactful and productive towards your business? Because I'm sure you're, you're a toe in both of those uh, ponds. Yeah, I I definitely don't use a, a straight hard and fast rule 
for that. It's not like, oh, well, 50-50. You know, I, I kind of think about it in my mind as the short game and the long game. Mm. So the short game could be I could spend the next three hours getting out five proposals to clients that, you know, maybe in the next two or three weeks will greenlight a project. And that's sort of short-term, immediate money, you know, that that's going to come in. Long-term might be something like, okay, I'm going to spend time having coffee with three people over the afternoon. And while all three of those people don't necessarily have work for me right this second, down the road, they might be working on some really big 2020 projects, or they might be working on some really large partnerships that aren't happening until Q4 of 2019. So I, I really try to think about it on a weekly basis. How much am I doing that's an immediate revenue generator? And how much, um, you know, when you think about it in farming terms, how many seeds are you planting? Mm, nice. so, that, so that when the spring comes around, you you have a fresh crop. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to make sure that as much as you're, you're culling your your garden right now and picking all the things that are currently in bloom, you're also planting new seeds. So that on the next season, you have a fresh new crop and, you know, you just try to do your best with, with balancing it and not beating yourself up too much. If, you know, two of your days are spent on more immediate things and you get to the end of the week and you go, oh gosh, you know, I barely spent any time planting seeds this week or the reverse. Oh my gosh, I spent the whole week planting seeds <laughs> and oh my gosh, I didn't do anything that was immediate. So just trying to kind of balance the best you can. Sure. And it sounds like it's intentional too, which is, I mean, it's important that you actually have a strategy and you're implementing it. You know, a lot of people get lost, especially in entrepreneurship, is you go off on one tangent, get distracted, and then you're not focusing on that core purpose or that core measurement that's going to actually drive your business forward. So no, I, I, I definitely appreciate that trade-off and it's something that we all need to manage for ourselves. Okay. So now that we have kind of talked about those smaller, maybe non-scalable things that you've done that you have just kind of built into you and your foundation. Um, The truth is that you've built this awesome personal brand and that you are nationally recognized and you're doing awesome things both professionally and personally um, in terms of the impact that you're giving. But I know that something that's really important to you is self-expression and creativity that kind of goes along with self-expression. And I'm curious to know, how do you manage that self-expression knowing that you have a larger public eye on your activity? And kind of what moments do you take for personal reasons? What moments do you take for professional reasons? And, and how has that affected your life as this, um, as this has grown in scale in terms of people actually paying attention to everything that you're doing? That's a great question. I think for better or for worse, I'm I'm pretty real. <laughs> I'm <laughs> pretty transparent. Um, I have learned it's definitely gotten me in trouble. Um, you know, a couple. Can you give weeks an example ago, of that? Yeah. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, for example, uh, a friend had invited me to uh, this sort of like dinner party. And the truth of the matter was I had had a really busy week and had been traveling and just really wanted to sort of go home and eat dinner and relax and read a book and just kind of um, be a little bit of an introvert and just sort of recharge the batteries. But I, I didn't have the heart to tell her that, you know, basically I just was tired and wanted to spend time by myself. <laughs> I, I just felt kind of rude saying that. And 
So I, I made up a little bit of a white lie. Oh, no. And I told her, you know, oh, um, I have this other birthday party to go to. You know, I won't be able to make it. But, you know, thank you for thinking of me, blah, blah, blah. And without even thinking about it, later that night, I went home and decided to post a bunch of Instagram stories oh, no. of me in the bathtub <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, hanging out on the couch. And she was really quite funny and totally is is a great friend and understood. But she wrote back and she was like, how's that birthday party going? Oh, <laughs> and brutal. I was totally caught. Um, so, so one thing that I have realized through that, you know, very, very funny process is that it's really made me quite conscious of how I'm spending my time and also just trying to be honest with people. And I think what I've tried to do, and it's amazing how, how much people understand is, is just flat out say, listen, I've been traveling, you know, I'm exhausted. I haven't had a night to myself in 10 days. And as awesome as this opportunity sounds, I really need to take a moment and indulge in some self care Mm. and make sure I get to bed at a decent hour and, you know, can have some me time. And I've been really shocked how wonderful the responses have been when I do sort of muster up the courage to say that to people. They Mm -hmm. really understand. And probably because I share so much of my life, you know, people understand that, wow, you know, you have been traveling a lot and I'm sure you are tired. So (laughs) uh, it's it's good and bad, but I definitely end up sharing a lot about my life. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's hilarious. Um, I'm, it's funny that you got called out. That's, that's a great story. Um, yeah, I, I got but, it for sure. <laughs> what stood out to me there is kind of what, what you mentioned is just kind of just being real and honest and um, true to yourself is something that speaks and that people can appreciate. And also what I found too is just that people are really tolerant and understanding of your situation. You know, for example, I mean, I didn't tell you this, but my podcasting mic wire broke this morning because I was in a big hurry getting my car, you know? So, and then I realized, I know, whatever. But then what kind of what I thought of is like, oh no, it's ruined. The day's over. But no, it's like, no, it's not. It's like, people are actually pretty tolerant. They're going to understand that things happen that you and I both put our pants on one leg at a time, just like you do put your pants on one leg at a time. I imagine, <laughs> but one, you know, one, one leg at a time, just like anyone else and that we have real issues and challenges and problems and we are human. Um, so so it's, I mean, your brand obviously is very true and authentic and real. And that's something that people love about you. But it, it is interesting to hear that the audience also sees that and can appreciate it because they know how much you're going through, even if you are documenting it as you are. And then to build off of kind of self, uh, self-expression here and um, just kind of this larger personal presence that you're having I know that a big buzzword for you is reputation and that reputation is kind of everything for you. Can you just elaborate on exactly what reputation means to you? Yeah, it's like the Taylor Swift album. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, When I think of reputation, I guess, you know, one of the things that I always say in business is your most valuable asset is your reputation. You know, some people think in business it's What's important is how much money you've raised or how successful you are, or what your title is, or, uh, you know, if you're the C-level suite or a senior manager. And none of that matters because you can have the fanciest, most amazing chief marketing officer of some hot 
startup that's on the cover of Forbes. And if you have a bad reputation and people don't like working for you because you're mean or you're nasty or you don't take other people's thoughts into consideration, it means that you really have nothing because you're not, you know, there's a difference between having a strong position and having good leadership Hmm. because leadership and title are two very different things. And I think one thing we can all relate to is everybody's had a bad boss at one time or another in their life that they can immediately think back and go, Oh, you know, that guy or that, that woman that, you know, she was terrible. And that reputation precedes you. Mm-hmm. And as you go from job to job, it's also very, very hard to clean up. I look at your reputation like a bowl of water. And all it takes is a few drops of food coloring to make the cloud really murky. Hmm. And it's not to say that you can't dissipate that food coloring and add in more water and strain some of it out. And you can do that work, but it takes a lot of time and it Mm -hmm. takes a lot of energy. So protecting your reputation and standing by your values is the most important in business. And I think it's something that I've worked really hard to cultivate. And some people would say at the detriment of my business. So to Mm. give you sort of a hard example, I've had clients come to me with really large projects, you know, six figure, big, meaty, juicy projects. And what I would realize once I would sort of get into the details is we weren't the right fit, you know, for what they wanted. And a lot of people would say, oh my God, but there's so much money and such a good client and da, 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 and you should absolutely take it and just sort of fake your way through it. And, you know, you could do a B minus job and, and I've turned it down and I've said to the client, you know, this is not a best fit. I, I wouldn't do an A plus job. I know I won't be able to do an A plus job because it's just not in our wheelhouse and I'm not Mm going to do a B minus job on your on your brand. It's too important. So let me recommend these three people that I think would be a better fit. And while that has definitely lost me business in the short term, I think in the long term, it's one of the reasons why we've had the clients that we've had year after year is because they know that I'm going to tell them the truth, whether that benefits me or whether that doesn't benefit me. And so I think protecting your reputation, even if it seems like you're shooting yourself in the foot in the long run is going to be really uh, valuable for you, no matter what job or client you end up working with. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thought behind personal branding now is that as you transition between jobs in your career or into new industries, you know, there's something tangible that you can actually hold on. And, you know, that's something like part of this podcast and kind of networking is I'm trying to build that personal brand. Um, But yeah, that's interesting how you kind of do have that relationship with the long game, also with the business that you take. And it just that again, that transparency and honesty and authenticity in you is kind of all contributing and manifesting in different areas of your life, but they all kind of point in the same circle, you know, just telling the same story. So I think that's really interesting. I'm glad we picked into that. And then something also that you mentioned is um, being a leader. And I think that's such a great term because I can't remember when I learned of it, but a huge distinction that really stood out to me was being a boss tells people what to do, but being a leader shows people what to do. And I think kind of leading from the front and being that that North Star and that guiding light for other people is a really, really positive and um, important role to play, especially as you're building 
your your company and your career and your um, your startup. I don't know if it's still a startup anymore, but your your business. Um, Absolutely, and I would take it one step further. You know, I tell people all the time, it's not even just for founders, or it's not even for people that are starting their business. You know, if you're an assistant at a law firm, or you're in dental school at an internship, or, you know, it's all levels, it's all people that your reputation and the work that you put out is really valuable. And I I always tell this story, because I think it's really important. Um, You know, there, there was a woman who was working at Condé Nast for a very long time, uh, when I worked there, and she was an assistant. And she was older. Most assistants are, you know, in their 20s. This woman was in her, you know, 40s. And people would always say, oh, like, I don't understand why, you know, she could easily be replaced. You know, it's an assistant role. You're not necessarily solving brain cancer. You know, you're answering phones and grabbing coffee and doing paperwork. It's it's an assistant role. Yeah, it's a position. But, but um this woman had obviously had the job for 20 years and and she had created this invaluable trait in herself that yes, they could absolutely get somebody to answer the phones and yes, they could absolutely replace her to get somebody, you know, to, to file expenses. But she really went above and beyond, you know, remembering people's birthdays, um, making everybody's life easier by considering when scheduling meetings to put enough time in between and just these little things that she had really carved out this niche reputation as, oh my God, we cannot lose her. You know, if we lose her, that's going to be a really, really bad situation. And usually you only hear that about people who have maybe more senior roles or um, manager level. And this was an assistant. You know, so I always tell people, you know, don't think, oh, well, because I have a lower, you know, job description, this doesn't apply to me. It mm-hmm. applies to everybody, totally. no matter what role you're in. Totally. No, that's a great point. And yeah, I mean, that's something that people can always be cognizant of is just because you're not in the leadership position doesn't mean you can't lead. So no, that's a great example of kind of how on a small level you can bring large impact. And and that's kind of extends through personal development in general, it's just doing small things to create large change. So no, that's a great point. So you're kind of starting to talk about work. So I'd love to end about your current career in business and gosh, how it all came together because it really is a crazy story. Um, And I like the way that you described it uh, as a 90 day fiance, your co-founder, because that's kind of what it was. And um, scouts honor, I was actually watching 90 day fiance way too much this weekend. So it was especially poignant for me. Um, But can you please talk about kind of that process of starting your business from nothing and how it all came together so quick? And then maybe with focusing on what the value is of just starting and figuring out as you go. Yeah, I think the great part is, you know, I was 25 when we started the company. So I didn't know what I was doing. But I think that sort of blissful, naive outlook on life really helped um, because I didn't know any better, <laughs> but I essentially to your, to your point, you know, met my co-founder 90 days later, started the company, had no idea if it was going to work, essentially thought actually that it would fail, you know, because statistically most startups fail. So yep. had all these plans of what I would do when it failed, you know, had my resume updated and knew who I was going to talk to next and all this sort of stuff. And actually had no plans of what to do if it succeeded which was 
sort of the opposite of most people. Right. Um, but just sort of getting out there and and also planning for the worst case. You know, I had my resume ready if it didn't work. And I knew that I was going to be able to go get another job if that's what it takes. And mm-hmm. so I think not putting all my eggs into one basket when starting the company was really important and also really important for my mentality, you know, because I think if you put all your eggs in one basket and, oh, if this doesn't work, then... I'm stupid and this sucks and now I have nothing, you know, sort of keeping that attitude of I'm going to try this. We're going to see what happens. But if it doesn't work, you know, I'm going to shake it off, dust the dirt off my knees and get back up and, you know, going to figure it out. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting because most people would give the advice of you have to be all in if you want it to work, especially in a startup ecosystem. Like you can't look back all your eggs in one basket, but kind of your strategy was like, all right, you know, let's transition this. Let's feel it out. You know, there's a lot that we still need to learn about what we're working on. Let's not commit too heavily. So it's an interesting uh, contradiction or kind of contrast against what some other people would suggest that you do. But I I definitely think that's the more practical and realistic strategy to actually make that transition. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the mental strategy, obviously, from a physical work standpoint. Yeah, I was working, you know, seven days a week all the time. You know, you're working really hard. But I think mentally, you just sort of keep that in mind. Um, You know, I I played competitive volleyball growing up, I did travel. And so it was the same sort of thing. We went to the Junior Olympics twice. It was an amazing experience. And yes, I was full in and obviously had trainers and nutritionists and at the Junior Olympics and, you know, playing at a really high level. But again, sort of having the mentality of volleyball is not everything. You know, I still need to do my homework when I get home. (laughs) Education is important and I want to go to college. And, you know, so sort of having that mindset that, you know, what you're doing, even if you're so passionate about it, it's not everything. And I think sometimes that gets lost a lot in the founder mindset of crush it and go all in and you're going to be amazing and dedicate everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I always sort of say zoom out and remember that you're a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister or a cousin, you know, you have family and friends that love you. You know, you're more than just this founder title. You're you're more than that. Yeah. I actually, I played college soccer myself, so I can use that kind of similar example of kind of not identifying completely with one thing. You know, soccer was my life and my sport, and it's still a major passion of mine. I still play, but kind of I knew that my education and my um, my, my major was going to be important in my kind of the next step of my career. But then you compare that to some of the other people that were on my team, and they went all in in soccer. They didn't even finish graduating because that's what they wanted to do, and they had that kind of dogged mentality and approach toward the sport and making it work. So. So maybe it's kind of not a one size fits all. Everyone has their own relationship with the mental approach to um, actually diving into the newest task. And I, I think that you and I are kind of in a similar, uh, on the same vein, where it's it's more of an intentional and tactical decision where we're being realistic about the environment rather than just committing and then hoping we get caught by a net under us, you know? Absolutely. And then, okay, and then the last part about kind of your business is I love your business plan uh, initially, which was to make money and have fun. And that's actually what you shared with a few investors and people I don't know that you're trying to bring on. Um, So just talk a little bit about what is the importance of fun and enjoying what you do and kind of, I mean, you already mentioned having that larger picture in mind, but like, what does that bring to your life and your career when when you do think that way? 
Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was 25 when we started the company, you know, never done anything like this before. So yeah, I didn't know that you were supposed to have business plans filled with like projections and forecasts and runways. I was like, oh, here's the plan. <laughs> we're going to make money and we're going to have fun. Like, <laughs> Simple as that. Plan. Like that's, you want to invest? <laughs> big, you know, grand scheme of things. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, making, sure that you're still having fun is really important. And again, going back to personal branding, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat Mm -hmm. or any of these things, you know, I always say that everyone knows those influencers that have dead eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, that they're hawking, you know, vitamins or like gummies that they don't really like or don't really believe in, but they're getting a paycheck. Um, We've all seen people at jobs that they don't really love, that they're not having fun at, that have those dead eyes, that they're Mm -hmm. just sort of there and they're showing up. And I think you can see the people that have the sparkle, whether it's getting your coffee at Starbucks in the morning and that's the cheeriest barista you've ever seen. Um, And you can tell that he's really having fun or you go um, into a store and the woman is so happy to be there and so happy to help you. And I think having fun at whatever you're doing that shines through totally. and you can find even the smallest aspect of your work. Obviously no one, no one expects work to be sunshine and rainbows every day. And we all have to do things with work that we don't like, but if you can find one part of your work that really brings you joy and focus in on that and have that radiate through you, I think not only can you feel the difference, but I think other people can feel the difference as well. Yeah, no, that's something I'm glad you touched on that because that's something the first thing that I thought of is kind of the law of attraction. You know, someone has that sparkle or that positivity or that thing that they can bring into your life, even if it is a coffee barista. You know, they they have that law of attraction that just introduces more of that in the life around of the people around them and also in their own life. So I think that's I think that's something that in the kind of day-to-day nitty-gritty of this is our career and these are the projections we need to achieve and the yada yada, it's important to to keep sight of that larger, just kind of general happiness, you know, because careers can go one way or another. And it's, it's always important that you take care of yourself and make sure that you're enjoying the work that you're doing. So cool. All right, Kim, we could talk, we could talk for ages and ages, but (laughs) I'm going to let you go. Um, But if there's just kind of one takeaway that you want to leave with everyone listening today, uh, maybe it's about something that we already covered and you want to elaborate on or just something new, you know, kind of what's a a one hit or takeaway that you want to share with people. I would say the one hit or takeaway is what can you be doing today that will help your future self? Mm. That's something that I just think is, is so important and you, everyone can be doing something today that, that will help their future self if they think about it. Totally. And actually something that I was going to share on the podcast, but I'm still getting around to it is you were talking about, um, I think it was in a different podcast, but you're talking about volunteering your time. You don't necessarily need money to impact something. You have a skill set, you have time, you have all these other assets that you can contribute and you can be proactive about using those as well. So no, I like that message. Cool. All right. So if people want to learn more about you and kind of just follow your progress, maybe something big that's in the works that you want to get a few eyeballs in, uh, a few eyeballs on what, uh, where would you direct people to just learn more about you? Um, I'm, I'm on Instagram an unhealthy amount. So I would say Instagram, um, as well as LinkedIn. Uh, I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. So if you are on there, I'm there as well. Um, but there are lots of different places like that, that you can find me that I'm on and constantly having conversations with people and really just trying to keep the conversation going. 
Totally. No, and I mean, I'm a testament to that, you know, just kind of you taking this opportunity to speak with me is just, it shows how kind of open and receptive you are to other people's messages and what they're working on. So no, thank you so much again for being with us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm thinking everyone else will too. And uh, I look forward to featuring you a few more times and uh, just keeping in touch. So Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Kim. Man, we covered it all. First, we talked about the small tactics, the dirty work Kim needed to do, even to get a look in her target industry. We talked about building a personal brand and what it's like to live with eyes always on you. I think Kim's response was perfect. Be yourself and you won't have to act any special way. With references to reputation, self-expression, and sometimes playing the long game. And then we transitioned into the founding of her business, The Superfan Company in the whirlwind of events that made it happen, as well as the mentality she took when giving it a chance. Once again, a big, big thank you to Kim for taking part. I know I enjoyed it and I hope you did too. Again, you can follow her on Instagram at Kim Kaup, and that is Kim Kaup, K-A-U-P-E. Thanks for taking the time to listen today and for always sending so much love. I couldn't do it without you. I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.